why do they still call me a warlord? And mad? All I want to do is to create the perfect genetic soldier. Not for power, not for evil, but for good. Carlos Blanca will be the first of many. They shall march out of my laboratory and sweep away every adversary, every creed, every nation until the very planet is in the loving grip of the Pax Bisonica. And then peace will reign in the world and all humanity shall bow to me in humble gratitude. Welcome to Trash Cannon, and today I am very pleased to introduce my guest, um, Zaki Hassan, who wanted to discuss Street Fighter today. Um, say hi to the good folks at home. <laughs> How's it going? It's, I was going to say uh, thanks for having me back, but I just realized that this is like Redux. Street Fighter. So we, you and I had a very special conversation about this movie that will remain just between us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's lost to the ages, except in our hearts and minds. <laughs> yeah, we we had some um, technical difficulties, which um, I've had I've had a different technical difficulty with every one of these episodes I've recorded, but hopefully that that ends today. Um, but we'll see. But but Zaki has been very generous to. Uh, talk about um street fighter with me again today. I, yeah, I, the way i look at it there's there's sort of a an ironic symmetry in the fact that we've had technical difficulties talking about this movie that basically is one giant technical difficulty so. yeah exactly <laughs> um so and actually it, it kind of works out because since then steam the video game service had a sale, and I actually, on a whim, picked up a discounted copy of Street Fighter V. And um, I, I don't know, have you played it, Zachary? Do you know anything about it? I mean, I, I own it. Uh, I own all the Street Fighter games because I have oh, PlayStation, okay. like the Street Fighter Legacy or some such thing. But I'm, I'm at that age now where I couldn't begin to tell you the difference between one version and the other. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right because um, uh, I, I was looking forward to telling you that um, that the uh, one of the new fighters in the game is a um, an Arab named Rashid. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and he uh, in Capcom's promotional material. I mean, they emphasize um, Ryu or or Ru, um I don't know. I I just stick to Ryu because that's what I called him when, when I was yeah. a kid. Like all, you know, like all ignorant Americans. <laughs> but um, but there's actually and and I couldn't find it now if 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 you had a gun to my head. But uh, but I know Rashid uh, was called by Capcom's own promotional material as the hero of Street Fighter Five story. Um, 
So that, that's something you might want to, to bring up on your own po- podcast, uh, Diffuse Congruence. Yeah, that's right. I may need to. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of, I mean, you know, because it's Street Fighter and it's Japan, there's like little stereotypes like, you know, he, he dresses up like a sheik and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, it's mostly harmless, superficial stuff. Although one thing that people might find problematic is the fact that his, uh, that his, uh, rival in the game is a member of, um, the IDF in Israel. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm joking. That well, is a joke. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was way too topical for the show. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, everything else is is true. Though. But um, but yeah, could you uh, tell uh, tell me a little bit about your experience with um, Street Fighter? You mentioned that you you were a fan of it, or any... uh, I mean, I. I... I think fan might be overstating it. I, are okay. we talking about the Are we talking about the game or the movie? Yeah, oh, the games, just just the franchise in general. Yeah, I I I wouldn't say I was necessarily a fan, but I was aware of it because growing up in the you know in the early to mid nineties, you couldn't not be aware of it. I mean, it, it really did have a level of cultural penetration uh, in that age bracket. Obviously, that was such that. You know, it was just sort of part of the, the conversation. So I knew who all the characters were. I, you know, I knew the mythology, et cetera. Uh, even as, as I did not play the game very much because I didn't own, uh, a Nintendo or Super Nintendo. So, you know, the extent of my playing it would be whenever I happened to, you know, go to a friend's house and they had it. Uh, so I did like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I was, you know, I wasn't soaking in it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I wasn't, I, per- I wasn't purposely soaking in it. Let's put it that way. I was, I was, <laughs> it, it was getting splashed on me. That, <laughs> yeah, that, I, that metaphor could be gross, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's an interesting visual there. Um, <laughs> the, um, but yeah, I mean, I I had a copy of Street Fighter Turbo, I think, and uh, for for the SNES, and. Um, and I actually, 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 I have a memory of, of finding the um, arcade for the very first Street Fighter II uh, when I was on vacation. Uh, but the thing, um, like, I, I was always actually a Mortal Kombat fan, and I, I mentioned this last time, but, like, one of the most intense arguments, more intense than even political debates I get into nowadays, uh, was with a was when I was 14 and it was with a guy who was at least uh, three years older than me about whether or not uh, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat had the better gameplay. Hmm. And to be honest, like my, the appeal of Mortal Kombat over Street Fighter for me was the, of course, the gore, but also like the whole uh, dark fantasy um, angle to, hmm. to Mortal Kombat. But... Yeah. Street Fighter does kind of, I mean, I've, I've never been a big fan of um, Bruce Lee movies or things like that, but, I mean, just sort of the over-the-top 70s martial arts uh, inspiration for Street Fighter has, has has always kind of attracted me, too. And and the fact that Street Fighter and pretty much every other uh, fighting game has, like, a richer mythology behind it than, than you would imagine. Um, 
but but anyway, the movie. Uh, so the movie came out um, in um, nineteen ninety. Uh, I read in my notes four. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was late, released late ninety four. Yeah, it, it was uh, Christmas, and the the interesting thing is like that Capcom had more input into what the game would be than even the studio and Capcom's demands tended to be more fairly unrealistic because they, they literally wanted every single fighter from the game in the movie and they actually <laughs> pulled it off uh, um, except that there's one character who's not in it Fei Long so the story is is that the Capcom wanted a specific actor to play Ryu, um, but the studio gave the role to someone else. Uh, so they stuck the actor in as another character named um, Captain Sawanda. Um, okay. And for some reason, they didn't name Captain Sawanda Fei Long, even though it's clear that that's kind of the character they were thinking of. So that's why Fei Long is the only character from the games at that point in history who isn't in the movie. Yeah, and um, so the movie was the directorial debut of famous screenwriter Stephen DeSouza, who yeah. is most well-known for writing Die Hard, um, 48 Hours, and also one of my favorite movies, uh, which I, if I remember correctly, Zaki, you haven't heard of, The Return of Captain Invincible. Right, you mentioned that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Christopher Lee's in it. it. It's it's a great movie. Um, I only found out about it because of the clip of the character playing the president of the United States singing bullshit over and over again. <laughs> bullshit! Bullshit! Bullshit, 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 bullshit! Bullshit! Bullshit, 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 uh, just yesterday, liked uh, a tweet of mine. <laughs> You're that's awesome. Complete, completely random, but yeah, that that's a real thing that just happened. So. Oh, what tweet? What tweet was it? Um, it was, you know, um, uh, uh, Kumail Nanjiani uh, was, t put out a tweet about how so somebody yesterday in LA was like, like "Go back to your own country," you know. Um, and so I, I have you seen the the Twilight Zone the pilot episode? Yeah. Uh, so so you know the premise of the episode, right? That that the Kumail Nanjiani episode, the, the new Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. So so I I like quote tweeted him and I was like twist ending that guy now no now never existed. <laughs> and oh. Stephen D'Souza liked that tweet. I was like, all right. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> the guy who wrote Die Hard liked my little piece of creativity there. So. I was about to say though, let's um, let's hope he's not listening because I'm also going to bring up that he also did Beverly Hills Cop Three, <laughs> um, Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd's a good one. 
Yeah. Or the um, one. <laughs> well, I, I call that the gloriously bad one because it is a bad movie, but it is it is a gloriously bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there, I mean, that's a whole separate episode for your show. <laughs> it is. Hopefully, we'll cover it sometime because I, I actually went to the theater with my dad to see that one. Oh, jeez. And my dad loved it. <laughs> so Street Fighter kind of heralded a, a not-so-good um, 90s for him. Like um, like a surprising number of creators, actually. They all seemed to have great hits in the 80s, and then by the 90s it just went uh, uh, flopside. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, because I'm also thinking of um, the Baby's Day Out guy. Uh, John uh, Hughes? Yeah, John Hughes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, John Hughes syndrome. I love uh, that you're calling him the Baby's Day Out guy. <laughs> like, not Home Alone, not Breakfast, not, not, not uh, breakfast Club, not, not Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The Baby's Day Out guy. <laughs> that's, yeah, truly, probably- that's truly what have you done for me lately <laughs> yeah i think it's um i think it's a sign of of how much uh, uh mr plinkett i've been consuming recently <laughs> i recently rewatched the uh, baby's day out review which uh you all should listen to after you um listen to this all right um so let's of course I guess we should start by just talking. I guess probably the best thing to do is to talk about the best part of the movie, which is uh, the performance by Raw Julia, of course, which seems to be the only thing people remember about it nowadays. Um, Raw Julia plays in Bison, who kind of like in the games is a, you know, dictator type. Uh, Raw Julia only agreed to do the role because his grandkids were fans of the franchise and he um allegedly put so much effort into the role that he uh like studied the mannerisms of dictators and things like that wow but but yeah but he also gets the best writing which is kind of a problem because the (laughs) tone of the movie is so inconsistent um but but I don't know what what's uh, what's some of your favorite M. Bison moments from the movie. I, I mean, I, the truth is that Raul Julia is just a joy for for all of this. I mean, he's he is next level. He's he's doing Othello, you know. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't care that <laughs> what kind of movie they've dropped him into the middle of, and I love that. I think uh, you know the 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 speech that he gives to to Ming-Na, where he's like, you know, she's like, I remember the day you killed my father, and blah, 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 and he's like, for you, that was the most important day of your life. To me, that was Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> that's like, I mean, that's one of those things where you want to, you want to memorize that speech and just use it. Like, you, you want to hold it in your heart and deploy it. Like, you search your entire life for the exact moment to use that speech and hope that there's one person in the room who will get exactly what you're referring to. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, my favorite line also though, as, um, as, as a struggling academic is, uh, after I crush my enemies, we'll see about getting you published. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that line. It also just like, 
just like uh, all the concepts of the character, like the fact that, you know, he wants to uh, uh, start his own world currency, bison bucks. And, right. you know, there's a line about him wanting to kidnap the Queen of England and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, my <laughs> also, I wanted to to bring up that, um, you know, um, you said you watched this movie with your kids. Yes. Um, did any of them notice the painting of Bison as a clown? Uh, I'm fa- I'm fairly certain they didn't. Okay. Because okay. because I you you telling me about it is is the first I'm sort of like it, I feel like that that knowledge existed somewhere in the recesses of my brain pan, but you know you're you're firing some neurons. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it, oh, well, do you know what that's a reference to? I, I really don't. It's a reference to John Wayne Gacy, because okay. Gacy painted clowns. Yeah, when he was in prison, uh, based on his own um, foray as a clown, and I guess the implication is either that Gacy painted, because um, the clown is wearing a little um, bison um, dictator cap, dictator general cap. And I guess the implication is, is that Gacy drew a special painting for him because Bison was okay. a fan. But um, gotcha. no, sorry. I uh, uh, for those who don't know, Zachy has some fairly um, fairly young kids, and honestly, I, I just have like this visual of you trying to explain the concept of a serial <laughs> killer to them, and I was. <laughs> <laughs> but in the future, if that if that conversation does happen, you can always like call me up and say, "Hey, Uncle Chad will explain." <laughs> you guys don't get it, man. You don't get it. <laughs> all, right. all right, now, kids. Every once in a while, there's a very special individual who can only achieve sexual pleasure or find meaning in their life <laughs> through killing another human being, or if not the act of killing, doing something with their remains. Um. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the moral of the story is don't become a dictator. I mean, don't become a drifter, kids. Drifting is a very bad idea. Yeah. You will either become the serial killer or the victim. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, Raw Julia is is by far the best part of the movie um because and i think that's in small part because in no small part because like there's actually as a street fighter adaptation there really isn't any street fighting in it right like there's a scene where ryu and ken are about to get into a fight with uh in a in a street arena And, and in the movie they're just like a couple of wacky traveling con artists rather than the, you know, students of a famous, famous martial artist that they are in the, in the games because, right. you know, which is really kind of frustrating. And, and, and I guess the parallel there is to how the Mortal Kombat movie made Sub-Zero and Scorpion into a couple of voiceless goons when, right. you know, their story of tragedy and revenge is like the most interesting thing in the in the game's mythology, and they just leave it out. But like the idea that you know 
Ryu is like the serious traditional Japanese martial artist, and Ken is his um, like this beach bum American counterpart who takes it seriously but doesn't take it seriously, you know. And they have this, they have like this friendship slash rivalry, and like they didn't, you know, that that isn't incorporated at all into into the movie. Yeah, I, well, I. And I think I think it it's you know what what this movie does with Ryu and Ken feels more egregious to me anyway than uh, Mortal Kombat with Sub Zero and 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 Scorpion because uh, to a large extent Ryu and Ken were perceived as the heroes of Street Fighter like the main mm. characters even as as it's an ensemble right so yeah the I mean I I think I mean again you know my my history was not as somebody who necessarily played the game. Uh, regularly, but I I knew enough to be like, well, Ryu and Ken, they're the guys. Mm. So, and I knew I knew for sure that Guile was not, right? <laughs> so so the I mean it's it's fascinating to me because it really does feel like they they signed Van Dam and then they were like, well, shit, now what? Now who does he play? And they just threw darts at a board and landed on Guile, you know. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, like, the movie's visuals are actually pretty on point with the game. Like, the arena that Ryu and Ken are about to fight Vega in, that's actually an accurate reconstruction of the uh, Vega's arena in the games. Oh, okay. um, and I think you also see um, uh, the character Sagat's arena at some point in the game. Uh-huh. Um and there's like all these little visual elements, but but yeah, when Ryu and Ken are about to, you know, actually enter into, or or maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just Ryu. I can't I can't remember. <laughs> um, you know, when they're actually about to enter into like this uh, no bars hold uh, uh, mixed martial arts type tournament. Gal busts in and busts it up, and I think I I, I don't know. I, I want to get your opinion. Do you think there's like a scene edited out? Because honestly, it just like it, it looks like there's the fight scene about to happen, and then all of a sudden it cuts to to Gal driving his tanks through the wall. So I kind of wonder if there was like a little bit of a fight scene that they edited out, which would mean that like the one instance of street fighting in the whole movie. Um, I mean, I mean, based on how slapdash the the entire film is, I I certainly would not be surprised to know that, you know. Yeah, it, it just felt like a really quick edit. Right. Um, oh yeah, and I, I should probably throw in a little bit of trivia there. That uh, yeah, the reason the movie is slapdash is like uh, uh, Capcom wanted a Christmas um, 1994 release, which gave them what a year, two years to to put the whole movie together i think right it was something really limited a really limited time frame um but yeah yeah like the movie people have said that it's like a better gi joe adaptation than street fighter because you know it's like the whole plot involves um a un expeditionary force and this is of course in the era of you know um uh the u.s intervention in bosnia and everything and that's obviously what's inspired it and you know trying to bring down this dictator in bison who um in this world chandelu is a 
is not a criminal organization. It's like a, a dictatorship, although they kind of kept in the element of Ben Bison being a criminal because there's a line about him using the international drug trade to fund these weapons that are superior to those of any other nation state in the country somehow. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, uh, okay, that that's okay. I'm talking about the Street Fighter movie, though, so I shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but there's also the subplot about Chun-Li and her friends trying to get revenge on M. Bison, which I think is the strongest of the plot threads. But, you know, yeah. it, it gets overshadowed by Gal, who ends up undermining all the other heroes' actions, which, you know, is totally something that you should write your one of your protagonists is doing. Yeah. And it does lead into, like, the one moment that almost ruins even M. Bison as well, Julia, when he, like, wags a finger at them and says, you should have worked together. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because Gal, I think, because at some point Gal ends up arresting, like, all the other protagonists, right? And, yes, that's, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and, and that he, and that they all have to, like, work against him at some point, and it's just it's such a mess. And, I, and like, and, and it just kind of gets to the tone problems the movie has, because, like, it goes... The movie just, like, runs from being... I mean, it's jokey throughout. They're, um, and I think it's actually pretty good at being consistent in that, but all ages are adult humor, and then it veers to Raw Julia giving, like, a third grade level moral you know, right <laughs> work together kids um yeah there's, there's some very funny uh, uh you know fourth wall breaking type moments and and throughout that that definitely make this some a movie i can appreciate now more as a grown-up than i than i did you know back then yeah and and honestly Honestly, I, I still did find it to be a very funny movie. Um, it's just that it didn't... It's like one of those movies that you remember in moments rather than as a whole. But that leads me to talking about the worst part of the movie, which is easily Van Damme. And uh, there was actually recently a Guardian article that came out uh, about like how basically... Uh, Van Damme was was going running through thousands of dollars worth of coke while making this movie. <laughs> um, it, it was filmed in Thailand, and apparently the studio like assigned him a handler to make sure that he wouldn't get stoned. Um, but it ended. Up, but the handler actually ended up becoming an intermediary between him and the drug dealers in Thailand or, or, or something like that. Or maybe I should say all, all this is alleged. Allegedly. Alleged, yeah. Yes. <laughs> cover, cover your bases. Allegedly. But um, but kids, you might not know this, but Van Damme was actually a really big deal at the time this movie got made. Um, I even still remember when he was going to be a guest star on Friends. And, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch Friends because um, – I'm one of those purists who prefer my sitcoms to have jokes in them, but um, but I, I still remember like even him appearing in a TV show was like a, was like a, a, a huge deal that got like 
all these um, ads, and then all of a sudden, in like uh, one year's time, he just he just disappeared. It's weird how the bottom just fell out of of the whole the whole Van Dam train, because yeah. yeah, like you say, I mean, he was a superstar, and 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 I don't know, I mean, it, it it's it's maybe it was just death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, like like there wasn't one moment where suddenly everyone was like, oh, we don't like Van Dam anymore, but it was just this gradual drop. I don't know. Do you think that? Because, like I said, Gal is kind of a big wet blanket in the movie. He interferes with all the other protagonists' actions. There's some basis for that characterization in the game, but he's just like this ultra straight man in an otherwise Mm -hmm. fun and adventurous movie, and he he doesn't fit. So I, I was curious if you think that that's Van Damme, or do you think that the character was just, or do you think it was a problem with the writing? I mean, I think there's plenty of blame to go around, you know? I mean, I think, I, I don't think the writing did Van Damme any favors, but I don't think Van Damme did Van Damme any favors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he the, he's not Olivier. Like, it's just, he, he can't elevate material like this. I mean, what you, you needed was someone who 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 understood the tone and who who played to that you know i mean i i think yeah the the best thing about the old 1960s batman show is that adam west understood the exact right tone to mm-hmm. play that like he had to play it completely straight but he had to play it straight in a way that let the audience know he was in on the joke right and that's very tricky, you know, like, like Adam West doesn't get enough credit for how effectively he was able to do that. And, and, you know, Van Damme is, uh, no Adam West. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he wasn't even playing, uh, he wasn't even, uh, playing the part as written because, you, you know, it's, it's all just a mess. I mean, that, that, that speech that he gives near the end is like, that's like one of the all-time great movie speeches for all the all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah, very stilted, and also like the moment that really turned me against his character as well. Okay, his plot is that he's, you know, he he wants to overthrow Bison, but Bison's also holding his friend Charlie captive, um, and in the games, Charlie is Gal's friend that and Bison murdered. But in the movie, Charlie and Blanca are the same character because Charlie, because M. Bison is turning Charlie into a super soldier, which involves him becoming buff and green. Um, like, I don't think he even displays any of the electrical powers that Blanca has in the game. No. As part of the process, uh, Charlie's being fed all this violent imagery, which includes the famous... And this is something else that you're probably glad your kids didn't pick up on. Right. Is, uh, the actual image of a man being shot in the head um, during the uh, Vietnam War, um, <laughs> which I, I don't know if they slipped that in there by accident or it was deliberate. But, yeah, yeah, that that's in there. A, lot, a man getting killed in real time is in the Street Fighter movie, folks. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's another bit of trivia I had to put in. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy reference in, in Man Getting Shot. Dalcine, who they kind of shoved in there as a scientist, again, like all these different characters 
are just like basically in name only just so that they could get them in. So Dalsim is a is a scientist and he, you know, tries to interfere with the process and gives Charlie these happy images to try to turn him good because, you know, that's how that's how that works. Anyway, when when the heroes converge upon him bison and are on the verge of defeating him, Gal sees his friend on the ground, you know, mumbling, um, slightly deformed, but not really. You know, he has green skin. He's naked. But it's like uh, he, he his first instinct is to kill him. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it just it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where um, – Mr. Burns is turned into an alien, or they think he's an alien. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yeah. And, and they're like, kill him! And then Smithers is like, wait, 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 it's Mr. Burns! And then Willie's like, oh, it's Mr. Burns. Kill him! <laughs> it's exactly like that, but it's done seriously. <laughs> um, but it also causes an explosion, which, um, and, and I think I mentioned this last time, but Dulcine was uh, supposed to get... Um, when they were when they were going to make a sequel, uh, that was how Dulcine was supposed to get his uh, stretchy powers was from that lab explosion. Interesting. Uh, so, so like I, I guess they were trying to do the movie as like an origin story for all these characters, but I mean, right. it, it really is like in name only. Zangief is a um, a dope, even though in the games he's he's not um, in. And also in the movie, he doesn't get to dance with Boris Yeltsin, which is another um, <laughs> massive yeah, lost, opportun- lost opportunity. Yeah, because you know Boris Yeltsin would have done it. I mean, he was in a he was in a uh, Pizza Hut commercial. Like, why couldn't he? Have, <laughs> he uh, just <laughs> open a bottle of vodka near him, and he would have followed the scent. <laughs> oh wait, no, 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 no! I'm not. Um, oh, I am so dumb. I didn't mean Boris Yeltsin. I meant Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's why I get it for trying. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Gorbachev was doing commercials. That's right. Good call. Yeah, Yeltsin. Yeah. Although I guess I guess it would have. Uh, yeah, they could have done Yeltsin instead. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I guess the question is. Of the two adaptations, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, which one do you think is better? Ooh, that's a tough or, one. Um, I, I think I think Mortal Kombat is is a better movie, yeah, uh, than Street Fighter. But but that's not to say Mortal Kombat is a good movie, right? <laughs> right. So there's that nether region in the middle that Mortal Kombat occupies. Um, I, I think it's a truer uh, d- depiction of the of the world of the game. I think it does a better mm-hmm. job. For, and, and obviously, uh, Liu Kang is much better suited to be the main. I mean, you know, that's the interesting thing because Mortal Kombat. I never got the sense from the game that there there really was like a main character. You know, you sort of you have like yeah. the good guys, but but you know what I mean. But but situating it around Liu Kang makes a lot more sense, and it, it to a certain extent it's progressive in the sense that uh, they had the balls with Mortal Kombat to do what Street Fighter couldn't, which was to have an Asian character as the lead. That's uh, excellent point. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't that much later. It was like six months later. You know, so so I. 
I I think Mortal Kombat's a better movie, but I, I again it, it's you know I, I I would only recommend it under very specific circumstances. The the CGI in in Mortal Kombat is just abysmal. Yeah. Uh, the 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 special effects are really terrible. I mean, Goro looks awful. I mean, I, I would at least agree that um, Mortal Kombat is the better um, the better adaptation. Yeah. I mean, Street Fighter feels like they took some of the IP affiliated with with the you know uh, the license uh, the and they threw those labels onto various things and they kind of made it like oh it's like the thing that you know but it's you know the other actually that's the other thing is Street Fighter doesn't have an overarching mythology in the game it's just it's a fighting game it's a button smasher you know yeah uh, so 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 it's well not harder. at that point. <laughs> it's right. gotten more complicated <laughs> now it has but at that when the movie came out i mean there yeah. wasn't a middle. yeah now i agree I mean, there's 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 a world that exists uh and i feel like that's almost an outgrowth of what happened with street fighter which was essentially the movie i mean which is capcom being like we're gonna we're gonna take charge of creating the mythology so that nobody else screws it up again uh, yeah. Which that that didn't work out for them either because they did that other Street Fighter movie like ten years ago and that was you know that's a, that's a separate episode of this show for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I guess that's another question is like is this movie better than that than Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li? Um, Street Fighter Legend of Chun Li is completely unwatchable. So <laughs> yes, so this is better by virtue of that. Yeah, do you, do you agree with the? Because uh, I, I I don't remember who originally said it. Maybe multiple people have said it spontaneously, but um, uh, I've often heard that this is like a better. This movie is a better GI Joe adaptation than Street Fighter adaptation, and I know you're a you're a pretty big fan of the GI Joe franchise. Do you think that's true? At least, I mean it it's it it has the structure of what could be a GI Joe esque adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my, my issue with that, uh, analysis is that, uh, for me, me personally, my, my egress into GI Joe has always been the comic books by Larry Hama that, that were first published by Marvel and are now at IDW. And, and he took a much more, uh, I don't want to say mature because I mean, it's, it's not mature, but he took a more grounded approach to it and he, right. he, uh, more so than the cartoon show, which was real bonkers. So I would say that the Street Fighter movie is a pretty good approximation of a live-action version of the 1980s G.I. Joe syndicated animated series. There you go. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Uh, and, and the funny thing is is that um, in the, also in the time, not only did I buy Street Fighter Five, but I also happened to watch – um, a movie called Dead or Alive, and I know you're you're not um, as big into video games as you used to be, but have you ever heard of the Dead or Alive franchise? It, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's another fighting game franchise um, that's kind of infamous for its TNA content. Um, I see. But it, uh, um, and also it, it uh, Ryu Hayabusa from the uh, Ninja Gaiden series is in it. Oh, wow. That's a that's his other fame, claim to fame. But they did, they actually did a movie based on it, and I I have no idea how it got made because I think like even people who are fairly hardcore gamers aren't really into the Dead or Alive series, so I don't know what their target audience was. But I watched it, 
And um, Eric Roberts was the villain, of course. Of <laughs> that, course. That, that, that made the movie worthwhile. So if you want to see it, I, I do recommend it. But it actually had different fighters from around the world converging on one location. Um, and, and it had like these these goofy um, scenes where uh, like this one woman is 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 parachuting out of a jet and like out of nowhere this uh this um uh kind of a uh, ninja star type thing flies at her and she grabs it and it's like the invitation to the tournament (laughs) (laughs) just like bach or stuff like that and they all go to the tournament and it turns out that the host of the tournament has like this elaborate plot to um record their fighting moves and and incorporate it into his own you know, downloaded into his own brain is like really beyond comic book style plot. But, you know, you have diverse characters. They're participating in a martial arts tournament. There's something bigger behind it, but you know, it's still, that's still basically the premise. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, this is like a better adaptation of street fighter than street fighter to movie. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I guess if you want to see a live action adaptation of G.I. Joe, the cartoon, see Street Fighter, but if you actually want to see a adaptation of Street Fighter, see Dead or Alive. (laughs) Makes sense. Yep, definitely. Um, all right. So, um, I guess that's a good point to leave off. Um, thank you again so much, Zachy, for being on and for, you know, putting up with, uh, uh, all the missed efforts to record <laughs> no our worries. second episode. And hopefully this time everything will go fine. And, uh, uh, tell the good folks at home where to find you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you can, you can uh, find me at my website, the zackyscorner.com. That's Z-A-K-I-S corner. That's also my Twitter. That's also my Instagram. You can also find me at various podcasts, including, uh, the movie film podcast, which uh, drops, uh, uh, two to three times a month. There's also the Nostalgia Theater podcast, which usually has one episode a month and then Diffuse Congruence, uh, the American Muslim Experience, which is once a month. And also I'm a panelist on, uh, Discovery Debrief, which, uh, mm-hmm. drops, uh, in, in, uh, time to, uh, new episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, nice. Um, and I am Chad Denton. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, my show, uh, uh, Hollywood Hates History, as well as Before Stonewall are up on my channel there. And, uh, you can also find me at, uh, trashculture.blog on WordPress. And also check out my LGBT superhero series, John and Namar, also on WordPress. Uh, thank you for joining us. Have a good one.